Welcome to episode 51 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. My name is Tony Esmond, co-publisher at Tribute Press, and I'm here with returning, the returning penguin, a man of many moustaches um, <laughs> and cold water birds. It's Mr. Alan Henderson. How you doing, babes? You all right? I'm doing very well. So yes, um, uh, today's the, the fifth appearance, I believe, on this. So oh, there you go. Next time around, Good stuff. I get my uh, my loyalty card stamped and I get a free one, don't I? So I'll, stamp the, um... I'll stamp your card, my friend. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Yeah, no, we've covered quite we've covered quite a few things. Some interesting stuff. You're always a challenge. Now, when I'm gonna, not going to spoil it because I'm going to let you say it is. This is a this is a book that I had not read, and I'm going to caveat that by saying I have no memory of reading because I discovered that I had issue three of it um, in a uh, a long box uh, a couple of weeks ago after ordering the the four issue set. Um, but however. Having read it in the last two weeks and having reread it many times and just picked open the odd page, it is a series of books that I absolutely adored. So prepare for a love fest, my friends. Did you want to tell us what um, what books you've chosen? Yeah. So this is me trying to demonstrate that you know, as, as a fifth appearance as well. Yeah. You know, I'm do a little bit of my. I, I have some weird comic credentials as well as just your your mainstream side of things. That's good. Um, and tonight we're going to talk about Gregory by Mark Hempel, which originally came out as a um, a graphic collection um, in 1989, and then there was three subsequent um, prestige formats yeah. that, that took us all the way through to um, to 93. Really? It was that long? I didn't realise it was till 93. That's interesting. So I think it's fair to say the first issue um, is a longer is longer than this, the next three, isn't it? It's um, It's more of a it's more of a sort of small trade size, isn't it? As yeah, it's to, 100, yeah. 120 pages. So yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well. Now, and, and it, it's a collection of short stories as well yeah. within that, which I must admit, rereading it just now, I did wonder if they'd been pre-published somewhere else, but I don't think that was the case. I think it was just, just straight that into... totally into crossed my mind as well. It's the sort of thing that you could see as like a, a one-pager in Escape magazine mm. or something like that. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. Black, yeah. black and white. And we'll talk about... We'll go on to talk about the art style in a bit, but... Um, to, um, just allow me to just introduce what it's about is, and I'll let you elaborate on this. But he's a little guy with a big head, so that's that's <laughs> where I'm starting with it. And uh, um, uh, it might I do a bit of lunchtime drawing at work, and I've been trying to draw him. He's, he's um, actually not that easy to draw because he's a strange shape. But uh, did you want to just talk about who he is and where he is? So, so Gregory is a child who is um, inside a asylum. Yep. He wears a straight jacket for <laughs> most of the comic. Um, and is essentially mute throughout the comic as well, with the exception of certain noises and the ability to say his own name. There's kind of the odd dreamlike sentence that comes out, isn't there? And we'll, we'll yeah. talk. There's a couple of moments you, which is him, but isn't him. I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah. There's there's an element when when he's on on certain medication where you, in, you when you move to his inner monologue and he has an inner monologue that, that suggests that there's a lot more going in there, but his outer monologue is is very monosyllabic and very paced. Yeah. Um, and you know it's a case of Gregory is he lives in a small cell, but that's okay because Gregory is smaller. <laughs> um, and he essentially has um, one friend who is. Um, Herman the Vermin, a rat that, that appears um, in, in his cell from, from time to time. Uh, it's constantly being killed and constantly being reincarnated. It's exactly what I've written. He, he keeps being killed. Yeah, so Herman the Vermin is a, um, a rat, sometimes just an inky, inky blob of rat, isn't he? Um, that yeah. quite often lives in Gregory's pants. Um, 
and does stuff like hides cheese in there, stuff like that. And now Gregory has, sorry, Herman has a mouse friend. Is that right? Is that friend, name? Friend called, yes, Wendell. Yeah. That's right. Wendell the mouse is, is Mr. Gregory's, is Mr. Herman's friend. It's Mr. Herman that, that, that Wendell refers to. Him. And Wendell is very focused on, on looking after the cheese and having his own cheese um, unless it's kept down Gregory's pants. <laughs> <laughs> there is no other way to, to, to describe it from that. It's not um, and, and Herman has the, the best um, tagline of, of many a comic, which is, it's Singapore 59 all over again. <laughs> yeah, you um, love that, don't you? That's what you texted me I, the other day. Yeah. <laughs> which, I, yeah. So allow me to, in... sorry to interrupt you, allow me to describe it. So from a sort of feeling, I, I, I hate those sort of elevated pitches of, you know, describing it between two things, but I've got a couple of here. So it's kind of like Looney Tunes by way of a Kafkaesque nightmare is part of it. It's um, Tweety Bird crossed with one flew over the cuckoo's nest is another version of it, I suppose. It's... It's indescribably, it's indescribably in that the tone of it shifts, doesn't it? It's funny, tragic, sad. Uh, it carries violent. a lot of pathos. Yeah, There's a lot of yeah. pathos throughout this as well, where it's a case of you're like, you you see a lot of this from the point of view of different characters who are, you know, the the psychiatrists that come in to deal with them or the um, uh, the person that looks after them on a on a regular basis, yeah. where it, it, it's all about you know them trying to look after Gregory or or improve his situation. When all the time, Gregory's perfectly happy. Yeah, he is. And, and every time they try to make things better for him, it makes him unhappy. And he you know, so it always reverts back to being back in the cell, back in the straitjacket, just happy in his own world. Um, you <laughs> know, I was so rather jealous really... of Gregory on occasions reading this. I think I could be quite happy just, you know, without the stresses and trains of the world. You know, there's, there's one moment, uh, we'll talk about it, where he's presented with the road outside. And it's such mm. a mess of cars and buildings and streetlights, and you think I, I, I properly that. want to mention that page actually because there's right. I, I, yeah I think there's an inspiration piece there that that, that I might be overreading it, but we'll we'll see when we get to that. Okay, towards the yeah, end yeah. of the first. Well, let's open with our normal question. So, what? How did you first come across it, Al? I, I, I must admit, I'm struggling to remember how how it did. Because yeah. the weird thing here is you're saying oh, that you don't remember if you read this. I I must have read this really early nineties. Okay. Um, I certainly remember buying. It, the, the second book directly off the shelf um, in the science fiction bookshop in Edinburgh. Okay. So I probably, it, it may well be that book two came out and book one was there and I bought the two of them together at, at that point in time, which would be about 1991 or thereabouts. Okay. Um, and this character has stuck with me since then to the extent that if I ever see or meet somebody called Gregory, originally in my head, I just shout <laughs> Zub Zub, which is one of his, 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 you know, his words. Or you just sit there going, just say, I Gregory. <laughs> just say I Gregory, please, and you know, and it's because he's such a simple character, but he has such depth and you know, and characterization around him. Yeah. Um, and it, it really, you know, so from that perspective, he's all. Even though I've not actually gone back to the book quite regularly, I always think that you know, I always had Gregory there as a character that that's been with me on my my comic collecting journey, you know, in a weird way. Yeah. And that, you know, given that the last book came out in '93, that that's you know quite a yeah. long back. Um. And, and it, it, it's certainly the case that, you know, book one, it, it, it builds the character out. It builds all the, the environment with him. Yeah. Book two is, is very focused on the, the Herman the Vermin story. Which I found it's a actually... strange jump to go straight to. You know, I wonder whether yeah. he was just a bit tired of drawing Gregory and thought, I fancy a bit of this rat. It's quite cool. 
you know. Well, the thing is, it is being told from the grass side of the storyline, and it, it arguably it's more humorous. It, it, yeah. It's almost like it, it's let, there's a lot of pathos in the second book, but a lot more humor. Um, book three is a little bit of mix and match and more of the same. Yeah, there's um, some interesting um, uh, set pieces with other people in it, isn't there? I think I posted a picture from is it volume three um, of mm. the, the the sort of the round table talk they have. Uh, is that volume three? Yes, with the with the I'm the I'm completely normal page, which uh, is is, is yeah. all the other patients in the uh, the uh, do we call it a mental hospital? I don't know what we call it now. Uh, asylum are they called? I don't know, but whatever yeah, it was called at the time. Um, and there's a there's the opens with that group shot with groups thing, which I really liked. So yeah, which is, I mean the thing to me is that that actually reads like a political cartoon. In some it ways. really does. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and yeah. I know that Hempel's done one or two strips for, for The New Yorker, and you can certainly see that influence here. Yeah. And certainly by the time I think you get to book four, where I think the art style is actually tightened and improved, yeah. I really is a little less humour in the fourth book, though it does have probably the funniest joke um, in, in terms of the setup and, 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 and delivery. But the, you know, the, the, the artwork is it's very New Yorker. In, in book four, I yeah. mean that in a really good way. No, it's, I get you, you man. Yeah. Um, book one has a lot of pencil shading in it, and you know gives a, a lot of depth to the rooms and a lot of you know, yeah. spread of how that the image is. Well, book four is much more um, tight ink lines. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of strong, thick, there's a lot of pencil. strong thick lines as well, aren't there? Yeah. Um, yeah, it really and, is. Yeah. But the whole every member of that family. Um, yeah, there's page thirty nine in book four where he, the, the yeah. kid. The, and a fat boy, and I'm, now that's the name of the book, so I'm not trying to be derogatory by the character. Yeah. Um, you know, he's getting more and more angry, and he wears these really small round glasses, and it focuses in and in on these wee tight that's circles. That's an incredible page, man. Uh, and it, it's, you know, you just see the anger. But that, that to me, is a brilliant New Yorker page. Type, yeah. in, in terms of the style of, the, of cartoons, I would expect to see in the New Yorker type thing. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's pause there then and yeah. talk a little bit about Hempel. Um, uh, Mark Hempel. Now, um, I was a fan of his already. Um, I I think I pr- probably was a fan of his after reading Mars, which um, I absolutely loved. It's part of I'm I'm almost almost now at the last few issues of completing my whole first comics collection because I'm I'm a huge fan of that that company, and my, even Mars in a company that had Badger and American Flag and um, John Sable and uh, um, all manner of weirdness going on. They had one book that was based on a mu- West End musical. Mars really did stand out for me. It was a strange book, wasn't it? Did you read it at the time, Al? No, I've not. I don't think I've ever read Mars. Oh, okay. I'm a, it, it, it's just weird. I mean, in terms of the other work of Hempel's that I've read, yeah, I certainly read Breathtaker back yeah. at the time again because that would have been the miniseries that came out. And another I prestige format book, wasn't it? Which was the hotness yep. back then, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, well, it was, you know, something came out in Prestige back in the early 90s. We used to grab it, didn't we? It was a seal of approval because nothing, <laughs> you know, the editorial ship went through the process of saying we're only going to put something out in Prestige format if it's good. Um, or at least that was the, the, the yeah, thought process. That's how we thought, wasn't it? I don't yeah. think it was yeah, always the case, but that's definitely what, after, because obviously it, it, Dark Knight yeah. kind of led it, didn't it? You know? Yeah. 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 But, um, so I certainly read that. I mean, he, he was a journeyman across DC at that point as well. Yeah, so I think everything. probably people were most well-known for his work on Sandman, weren't they? I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I would expect yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Um, but, he, you know, he, he was in and out of all sorts of other things as well. And, you know, he did a lot of Epic Illustrated, did a lot of Mad Magazine and, and contributions to that. Okay. Um, which, um, and other people might know him from, I think, a little bit of work he did for The Escapist 
in the Dark Horse. Oh, I didn't realise that. Which, again, yeah. I've got some of that somewhere. It's only the other day book. that I realised he did the Tarzan the Warrior book, which I absolutely love, that, right. book, that Malibu series. Yeah. Just really good. Right. Knowing what a fan of Pulps you are, have you have you read it? Because I think you would love it if you if you, if you you did read it. Uh, I haven't. I'm going to have to yeah, say. I'd have to cracker. dig through that. But yeah. yeah. I've also got one of his, art, or, or I've got the Insight Studios art book. Oh, okay. Which is him, Wheatley, and Frank Cho. Um, right. who okay. were all the Insight Studio team at the time. I've probably picked up for the Cho influence, but as I say, looking through it this week, there's there's a, a set of drawings in there about men in suits that um, are, again, absolutely wonderful political cartoon, or in the style of what you'd expect a political cartoon to be. Um, and that, you know, they're just and very stylistic that you would go yes that's that's very much Hempel. you would know exactly who it was based yeah. on on the other work that, that's around it now he had a quite a long um long-term working relationship with mark wheatley and I, I know they they work together mm. often and they often share tables at conventions yeah and um, which is who he worked with on um, breathtaker which is an astounding book man if you haven't so for people who haven't seen it they need to go out and buy that and you can find it quite cheaply on ebay i don't think it's very expensive um but the um there's a few interviews you can find out there on YouTube. And then there's a couple of quotes from him that I just found really interesting that apply themselves particularly to Gregory. And one of them was, I really tried to infuse my work with humanity. And I think that's why I warmed to Greg. It's weird, Nick. A kid that doesn't talk, <laughs> we've got two lines for eyes. But there is there is a real humanity going through that. He's um, Hempel really infuses him with a personality through lack of personality almost. It's a strange thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's, you you immediately you mean even you know from from the get go because the first storyline is is Gregory sat alone in, in his cell with two kids outside asking basically if he wants to come yeah. out, or, yeah. or going which to me was the strip I, the like you said man that the, to me was the strip that I thought came from an anthology somewhere because it seemed like that sort of one off idea yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. It, but but from that you immediately get this whole thing about Gregory is just full of joy yeah the whole time as in he's like oh there's a face at the window i'm gonna run around and get really excited <laughs> yeah you know and it's the fact that the other kids are going you know or because only one of them they have to stand on each other's shoulders to, to see into the into the cell and it's like you know he's not got any arms and, and all sort of stuff when he you was know, he's running around and then he just gets exhausted and starts you know panting away in the corner yeah and you know and it, it again it suddenly gets left alone at the end because he's you know they've left the window because they're off to, to do whatever they're to do and you know that's he he finally says shit you know, as a, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, it, yeah. <laughs> i was enjoying myself there i got to run around the cell and scream and shout and you know yeah. but and be excited by the fact that there's something outside um and then it disappears but again i think you immediately buy into this of going yeah yeah this this we kids really happy and you know he's yeah stuff it i want to run around and you know just yeah. again it's about the capturing that toddler-esque element of going yeah let's just run around and pretend we're an airplane or you know spin around in the spot type thing yeah um put my hand down the drain really happy with that. yeah yeah mm. yeah no it's amazing he also another quote i got from him was um, he wanted to do something unique um and i think that's what he does i can't think of it it's, it's a hard book to compare to another isn't it yeah it it's well Multiple things there, I suppose. Yeah. It's certainly very hard to compare it to anything else that came out under a banner of the, one of the bigger companies or, or, or yeah. sub-companies. Um, I, I, I do not know where this would... You know, if this was being pitched today, I... It, God only knows. Yeah. Well, you know what? I know exactly what... To, so this this is my thing about the, the, the sort of mini-history of, of how we got, got to this. So in the mid-'80s, obviously, comics 
gained that mainstream recognition. Yeah. Um, and, and suddenly they started to, in the media, get this recognition of saying, oh, it's an art form. You know, and it's uh, started appearing on um, late night television and on BBC Two type, type things. Um, and a lot of that, I think, then led from the transformation of what had been the underground comics with an X yeah. into what was the more acceptable alternative comics. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, right? I get you. yeah. Because I think there is, you know, we, and we still have underground comics today, and we still have, you know, but I think it was a case of the, the you know, the underground comics of, of the 60s and the 70s, they, they knew they weren't going to get any big published deals. They knew they were, you know, and therefore they went, well, you know, we are going to be as crazy as we want to be, and we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to stick it to the man. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and actually, you know, have sex, drugs, and rock and roll front up and up front. The alternative comic scene that that then spawned on, I think, was actually more to try and soften it to say this is going to be more acceptable to a, you know, a wider populace. Yeah. And on the, you know, and it, and again, it's because it was being recognised in the mainstream, so they wanted to see how do we bridge that gap, and that's where DC, I think, came along and said, look, we're going to set up this imprint called Piranha Press. Yep. You know, they're also looking over at Marvel with its imprint of of Epic and going, well, they're making you know inroads with reprinting European stuff that. Yeah. It means they've got, got an extra way to get to the market. Let's us set up a, an imprint. We'll set up Piranha Press to be that gap that bridges the, the also, difference between... Also, remember, this is the start of the direct market as well. So they were selling to adults more and more, weren't they, I suppose, is part of it. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And this this bridge from from Capes and Tights and said, right, you know, we've got that there and we've got self-publishing at the other end, which is what underground comics still were, essentially. We're saying. And, of course... Self-publishing at that point in time, and the you know the the late eighties, early nineties, is nothing like it is now. Yeah, you know, you, you there weren't. <laughs> yeah, with with the possible exception of of service, you know, self-publishing really wasn't a thing that was seen as you know didn't you know. You know, when, yeah, getting a when comic we... printed was a complicated process back then. Now we just send a file to a printer, don't we? But yeah. uh, to do yeah. it there, you needed specialist printers. You needed to know what you were doing. Yeah, oh, completely different. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's where I think Prana Press was you know, grabbed that, and I think that's where this, you know, Gregory fitted just perfectly into that of going, this is accessible to everybody in terms of it's, you know, it's a it's a topic that's on the edge in that you know we're you know, we're talking about a kid in an asylum, you know, that's not an easy sell, yeah. but at the same time we're we're using somebody who is recognised as you know being a you know, having real strong artist chops, and that's that has gone on to receive all sorts of recognition um, in a in a broader artistic sense, in in, in terms of having his artwork. Oh, he's won an ink pot award, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think his art's appeared in like the Northern Rockwell Museum and stuff. Okay. Where where it's been a case of, I think it was possibly more the Sandman stuff, but still, you know, yeah. it, it was it is that elevation of going like he's an artist whose whose work has been. Willing to be recognised by the um, more highfalutin artist community, if you will. Yeah. And you know, so people, are, you know, and I think early on they just said, "Gregory, yeah, this fits that," and it it, it balances all those worlds of saying, "Right, here's a here's a product we can sell on to anybody." Yeah. You know, and and is, is it fits the humour side. I think we were um, seeing a lot of creators at the time as well who had the ability to do an underground comic. Jim Valentino sticks to mind, but also do something slightly more mainstream as well. So he could do Gregory, but he could also do... He did a Dracula book, I think, didn't he, at Eternity Press or something like that. You know, he did a Tarzan book, for example. So they had two, almost two strings, and this was an avenue for that 
to go on. And I think sometimes that was a good way to keep some of the talent happy as well. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, so let's talk a little bit about Prana. So Prana, as you say, DC Comics, nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety four. Not a, not a hugely long run. Um, the um, it had a number of people involved. It was founded by a guy called Mark Neverlow, Neverlow, and um, the designer that he took on board was Dean Motter. I do like Dean Motter's work. I think yeah. he's very good. Um, Alex Stevens was their first hire, and he wrote um, The Sinners and a book called Hardcore, which I have not read. Um, but they're probably their most successful book. I'm going to say was um, Why I Hate Saturn by Carl Baker, which and to these days still gets you still see it rolled yeah. out every so often here, don't you? Um, beautiful children, beautiful stories for ugly children ran for 30 issues, which is pretty impressive as an anthology. Um, I always remember seeing that in the comic shop and never being able to. I mean, it's probably I would have gone in and it'd been like issue 18, and you think, oh, yeah. how, how do I get on board? And, and I think I ended up getting a couple of issues, but I just. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same man. It was yeah. a hard one to get into. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 it was. Especially when you realise what else we were reading at the time. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't quite a, <laughs> yeah. a wide landscape as it is now. But um, their last published comic, do you know what it was? It was one of the Prince books. Ah, wasn't it? well done. Yeah, it was. It was uh, Prince and the New Power Generation, Three Chains of Gold, that stone cold classic that I've never read or even, I don't think, <laughs> seen. Um, other books I had, um, it was replaced by Paradox Press, um, which came mm. along afterwards. Strange, uh, a strange, a strange thing to replace it because it almost sounds the same. I, in my mind, sometimes I confuse them both. Um, but it was. Um, yeah. But they're. I think. Go on, mate. Sorry, come. So I, was just, I think Paradox was just trying to to move things a bit more to the centre again, back to yeah. being. Um, I, I, I think it was one of these ones where the the they realised that that Piranha had this ability to be an alternative comic, and so it started to push the boundaries. Yeah. And like I say, something like Beautiful Stories for Ugly Children, which does look beautiful if you actually look if you pitch through flick through the issues but is it's pretty incomprehensible in yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty impenetrable read. at moments isn't it yeah um yeah. i think they just wanted to to say look we want to bring it back to being much more in accessibility and that's where paradox came along and it, it's something we should discuss at some point in time it, you know the the 17 big books that paradox did yeah are, are, are brilliant yeah they are yeah there's some yeah. nice stuff there isn't the, there it's yeah. the first in the big book of urban legends yeah. which you know, it's Frank Quitely's first first American adventure and all oh, that sort okay. of stuff. Still thought of as classics um, these days. You do see them. You know, they're they're yeah, always oh, mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're they're wonderful in terms of that. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, and then, of course, Paradox when it collapsed helped form Vertigo. Yes, so, that is true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's a de there's a definite line from Gregory through to Vertigo when you look at it that way. Yeah, I was thinking about mm, this the other day. Mm. Yeah. The um the other thing that um probably is worth a mention out of P uh, Piranha is the fact that Piranha um hired um. Is it Howard Cruz do st uh, st Stuck Rubber Baby, which is still very well thought of, but mm. with the collapse of Piranha, Paradox took it on, I think it's fair to say. Right. So that book's died at Piranha, but they were sort of developing books, I suppose they went along. As all the, these sort of indie, I oh know we do it, no bro, we, we develop a book, you know, it takes it obviously takes a couple of years, I imagine some of these books, especially some of these books would have taken a while to go through its sort of development process. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff, man. Yeah, um... We, we, we'll go we'll go through i thought we've just been chatting and i thought one of the ways to do this is to give because it's, it's an unusual thing we work in an audio medium on this podcast to describe a physical book and and of all the physical books that you and i have described so far this is probably the most difficult to get for someone to imagine and get a grasp of what it's like so i thought we might choose a couple of sequences from the book just to dis describe it almost like a tone of what what people could expect if they now go out and look for this which i think they should um yeah is it did you want to start with one i know you had one straight away so, well 
Well, there's if we're, let's do an order because there's there's a few towards the end as well. Yeah. But if you uh, immediately jumps to a page, there's another number on it. Yeah. Twenty four, where one of the storylines is about the therapist coming to visit. Yeah. And and this is a very very brave way of storytelling. Yeah. In that. Basically, you, you see the, the therapist arrives and he's here to talk to Gregory. Yeah, it's in and the Tom are... and Jerry style of you don't see her face, do you really, at the yeah. start? You just so you, see yeah, her you only ever, yeah. yeah. With, with a lot of the adults, you never see their face in, yeah. in, in this. But from there on, this is you know, it follows the nine-panel grid format of the <laughs> does, yeah. comics did. Yeah. But it's just Gregory's face. Now, yeah. when when we see that, and let me think about this, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine... About twelve lines to draw Gregory, you yeah, know, in, in in total, and that's because it depends how how detailed you want to put into this. Yeah, six bits of hair, doesn't he? Six hairs yeah, so on his six head. Six bits of hair. <laughs> triangle, essentially a large triangular head. It's like a triangle, the shape eyes. of a triangle crossed with the shape of a tooth to me. So well, it's, it's a Dorito. Actually, yeah, that's true. Thinking yeah, about it yeah, just yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So draw around an outside of a Dorito, and you, you've got his head with the pointy end going into the uh, the, the straight jacket. jacket. Yeah. And you know, just it's splotchy eyes, a wee V for a nose, and a wee V for a for a mouth, and that is it. And yet, you know, across that one page where you could see him shaking his head, and you know, but nothing happened to make him shake his head. He shakes his head, you know, and it's <laughs> and you know, and she talks with him, and he is completely in the world of his own, not interested yeah. in the slightest. And then you know, she starts giving him things to play with, and. Again, he is not doing what is expected. So, you know, push the blocks through the holes. Thing. <laughs> yeah. So she's he kind of giving him it. a test, isn't she? Mm. So she's she obviously sees him every so often. He's, uh, does she see yeah. him every week or something? I can't remember now what she says. Every yeah, Tuesday yeah, yeah. or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah every Tuesday. Like yeah. And um, he, she says, do you remember me? And he says, no. He sort of shakes nope. his head. I don't remember who you are. And obviously yeah. she says, I see you every week. So I don't remember. And so she nope. puts him through these tests. One of it, she's like those, put a block in a puzzle. Um and he, but he he doesn't do what's wanted of him. Of him. <laughs> yeah. But he enjoys himself because he goes right. Well, I'm just going to throw everything up in the air, and that's hilarious. Yeah. And she so, she writes so yeah. every so often there'll be a little note on a clipboard, and he says, well, and the first one is recall ability negligible, which I thought was good, <laughs> and then uh, spatial relationships relations, and it's uncooperative, which is good. <laughs> and then she sort of makes all these notes. You know, she's going to be back soon to do it. Well, it's the self image pathetic Genius. note. Slight improvement from last week. A genius that he does it. He spends ages doing it, and it's the smallest <laughs> thing that you can't possibly see. Yeah, it's oh. it's yeah. There's such a strange humour on show here, isn't there? There's an affectionate uh, yeah. side to it, but there's also a bit that thinks to me like somebody's doing too many amphetamines, man. It's like <laughs> it's like a weird balance between you know too many class Bs and uh, this kid who I kind of kind of thinks cool in a weird way you know it's strange yeah, yeah. but as i say to me the, the bravery of the storytelling in this is this whole thing about there is very little happening in some of these panels yet you entirely emote you know yeah. you get the emotion coming off the page and the um so the one where she tries to give him the cookie and there's the two panels of her just holding the cookie and the cookie and then suddenly the head just pokes in slightly from the side of the panel to go okay i'll come and have the cookie <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that's just brilliantly paced and brilliantly yeah. delivered you know right down to the, the fact that you will not say hello and we'll just say bim bim you know yeah <laughs> yeah it just builds and builds and then you start to get her um you know aggravation with it and it's just the i've done this every tuesday and i can't get anywhere you know, and it ends up that sort of Simpsons moment of it with her 
strangling the child type thing. And, <laughs> yeah. and then suddenly she gets dragged out or no, runs out of the, the room rather and just you know, And just a brilliant last page, another another nine panel grid of him just mm. like he's got a furrowed brown. He's it's sort of he's had the realisation that he's just been treated badly and it closes up, closes up, closes up to the point where you, you kind of you if you just saw that panel you wouldn't have a clue what it is, but it's actually his no. eyes. And he's going, yeah, I yeah. Gregory and uh Mm. just just genius man just genius i don't know if i don't know why this book isn't better thought of i've got to tell you i don't know why people don't talk about this book all the time i just absolutely I loved just, it. you know and partially well you know it's been republished recently as, as well, i see recently there, there's two treasury editions that, that clicks oh were there um, okay yeah because you know you know you were watching the same <laughs> you, you got, well, I, we're watching the same eBay for this because I was buying it, and you're going, "Is it the is it the four issue one?" You're going after. I said, "Yeah, that's it. Yeah, one." Well, you know, I put, yeah, I put, put it. Yeah. <laughs> the other and thing is, go on, you presume you've got that dirt cheap as well. So yeah, it's, it wasn't much for four four books, you know, when you consider. It. Yeah, it's good good value. Yeah. The other thing they do that um, is something I was going to talk about yesterday, but it's a good ex- and later. It's a good example in this this story is he fills panels with words, so sound effects. He mm. uses some great sound effects throughout it. Um, and there's a there's a, a haphazard um, bundling in of words often in panels that works so well, you know, because yeah. Gregory's world sometimes is just slamming doors and other people talking and, you mm, know, mm. scratching and stuff like that, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not always anyone speaking. Yeah. yeah. The next storyline as well, though, is in, in terms of the is certainly artistic bit of it. Yeah. It, two things. It's a, a lot of these stories are let's improve Gregory's life. Yeah. And then yeah. it not getting any better for him. Yeah. And then him realizing, going, are we back to normal? Fine. I'm happy now. Yeah. But one of the things he, he does really well is he, he, he creates repetition on the page yeah. with very subtle differences. So muffin the cat thing. Brilliant. <laughs> where, you know, every page of, for this whole one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight page story is, is five long panels on the on the page. Yeah. And each page, those, those five panels are essentially repeats or this, it's the same image, but, you know, with, with sort of timed motion on. So yeah. the page two of that is just a bunch of people going through a door. So you see all you're seeing is the legs going through. So, again. yeah. Um, but it, it's just a wonderful again artistic technique of saying look i've created you know from gregory's perspective this is it this is the stability in front of you and yeah. it's, you know nothing's really moving but lots is happening within it there's a sergio um, aragonis feel to this for me I, I got a little bit of a sergio man yeah, magazine yeah. feel on this yeah yeah big time yeah 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 and you know the cat likes to rustle it's just these little throwaway jokes within it about yeah. you know the cat rustles um you know, it, it, it's brilliant for that sort of, sort of side of things. Yeah, and there's um, no um, there's no cut and paste button on this one, is there? Either. Do you know what I mean? No, he draws no, this it. Is, yeah. This is back in the day when that that didn't exist. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, it's there's, there's just story after story in this where little things happen. So the next storyline is when he, he runs around so much that he actually breaks the back of his straight jacket, and suddenly he can take the straight jacket off. Yeah. And that you know, it's like I've got arms. What am I supposed to do with them? It does lead to one of the saddest pieces though, which is like sort of page probably forty eight. Where you know he realizes he's got hands and he can reach up to the handle of the door. Yeah, and he suddenly goes, "No, I don't want to leave myself." Yeah, that's that's back. something that Hempel does a lot. Hempel breaks you constantly in this comic, doesn't he? He yeah. he makes you he he makes you love this character, and then the character lets you down. You know, yeah. 
constantly. You just you're you want him to be free. You want him to you know get on with the family. Eventually lives with you. Want him to uh, in a sequence. I'm sure we'll talk about at the end of the first volume. You want him to leave the place, but he kind of lets you down, doesn't he? But that's something I know. We met. We talked a little bit before we come on air. But the, the there is a what what is Hempel saying to us beyond? the comedy and the characters in the in the story is he saying is there an element of institutionalization that's coming of this is there, there's that one for the cuckoo's nest element to it isn't it these these he's stuck there he, he that's his life he may be happy but is it right you know there's that there's a constant question there isn't there, there there's also the question about you know i think in, particularly in the current environment of virtue signaling where <laughs> we can you know we're saying that well i want to make that person's life better yeah, but is that just because we want to feel good about doing something good about point, it? Man. Yeah, Very rather good point. than it actually being what they want or need. Yeah, or you know, and, and or not actually choosing the right things. Yeah, you know, there's certainly some of these sequences in this where, as I say, they, they put him on certain drugs and, and whatever to to keep him calm, where clearly it's not actually doing him any good whatsoever. And but you know, it makes the person who's who's made those decisions feel better. Yeah. And it, you know, so I think there's a bit of that about it as well, where it's, you know, make sure that, you know, you're you're if you're doing good, you're not doing good just to make you feel good. What you're actually delivering at the end of it has a worthwhile, you know, deliverable to the reci- the recipient. Yeah. Um. Okay. Should we? I'll. I might. I'll have a. Let me have yeah, a stab at it. Let's do a couple each. I'll stab at it. So my my next one, and this is purely from my completely stupid sense of humour, is I'm going to go for Herman Vermin's disturbing and completely illogical dream. Which is mm-hmm. a kind of cheese dream he has, isn't it? Um, yep. And this is the first sign we get of like Herman's taking over. We know he's going to take over it at volume two. Um, but um, in this, we get we get Gregory talking. Not only do we get Gregory talking, we get him with a sort of David Niven haircut um, and a smoking <laughs> jacket. He has a pipe um, and shoes. And I, I, when I first read this, I thought, oh, is he meant to be Sherlock Holmes? But I think he's meant he he's turned into the therapist, isn't he? In this bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. it's a lovely piece of art and it breaks it up and I suppose when you're when you're Mark Hempel you what have you got to play with this you've got like an empty cell and a kid running around and you've got to, you've got to keep coming up with some and he comes up with some really interesting twists and this is one of it um, so well it, it's through that as well that when you know Herman's going through all the the worlds of that he goes through and you're, you're seeing he's the therapist but. Um, Gregory himself, you know, he, he stops being. It's a bit Charles Schultz in this. This page hundred, where yeah, it starts to just become the brain. Yes, that is a very strange moment. Pipe. Yeah, yeah. You know, and back to your, your what was he smoking at that point? <laughs> and particularly as you've got, you know, you've got Herman at that point carrying the world, then carrying a cross, then pulling yeah. the brain along in, in in a you know in a in a carry thing, and it, it's you know just just why are you unhappy and all this sort of stuff, and it's. But some, you know, that's a really heavy page. Yeah, so just look at it just now. I can see sort of Charles Schultz lines in there the way he's kind yeah, of gone. Yeah, And also, the, the Hempel, stuff Hempel makes an appearance, doesn't he, on page ninety-nine? He's he's in the sky watching it all. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is a strange, the, the, the kind of the only yeah. example of that in it. The which is the right place to put it in because it's a, um, a you know a psychedelic, you know, yeah. crazy dream sequence. But he appear he himself appears in it, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I really like that. I think um, the art style that he uses on um, Herman is really interesting because it's it's just black. It's just ink. Yeah. And occasionally we get some teeth and occasionally he screams and we see down his throat. But there's a, uh, especially in volume two, there's a lot of big blocks of ink that you, 
your eye is used to by that point, so you recognise yeah. as being this rat, you know. And given that for most cartoon character for cartooning characters, one of the things that's very important is the eyes, because you would express a lot through the eyes. Yeah. And he doesn't have any. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. you know, sometimes he wears sunglasses, so you know, where, you know, you can you can position <laughs> it, but but most of it, you're like going, what, what's the eyes for that? So yeah, no, I mean, it's such a simple character design, but yet again, carries so much, so much with it. Yeah. Did you want to do one of yours now, Dave? Yeah, I'm going to take us back to to the pages, which I, I posted online a couple of weeks back, purely because the again, it's the part of the repetitivity, which is the book, the big boom story. Okay. Which is two pages, three panels each. Pages. And it's Gregory, um, seventy four and seventy five. Okay. Yep. Yep. So. Th- for those people who are yes. more oh, Sin City God. based, this yeah. is this is your this is Gregory meets Sin City. So <laughs> it, all you see is the the bars. And so the, it's like a black panel, and then there's the bars of the cell that are white, or that you can see the light coming in through the bars. And clearly, it's at night, and there's a storm happening outside. And yeah. Gregory's, you see the the silhouette of Gregory's head at the at the window, and then suddenly there's a flash of lightning, which lights up the the whole sort of cell piece. And then there's that whole thing, lightning, one, two, three seconds later, boom, as the, as the thunder falls through. Yeah, very and clever, then isn't it? He's yeah. just really excited about the fact there's thunder, this is brilliant. You know? <laughs> yeah. And again, it's just a toddler being, yes, yeah, thunder, lightning. It's, oh, this is really exciting that there's the, yeah. there's, you know, the, the sound. And again, it, to me, these, that two pages just gives that whole excitement over. Yet there is nothing on those pages, but they're you know it's beautifully rendered, and beautifully delivered in terms of just and, just and that's, the, that shows the the ability his ability as an artist as well to conceptualise that lightning strike mm. sends the light through the room and the sh- yeah. his shadows cast on the floor and then you three panels later you get the you get the thunder it's incredibly incredibly well thought of yeah I saw that you posted this man yeah it's absolutely outstanding pages yeah absolutely loved it mm. yeah yeah very good. Um, what one am I going to go to now? I think mine was later on. Should we let's let's talk a little bit about the end of the first volume, the one that completely and utterly broke me. So the yeah. um, he at the end of volume one, he's told he gets a patient release from institution form. This is to advise yeah. the patient, handwritten in Gregory, is hereby discharged. Blah blah him her blah 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 hereby acknowledged blah blah hereby absolved of all liability blah 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 hereby assumes all responsibility for blah authorized. That's what it says. And it's the fifth day mm. of May, and it's signed by the care worker. So he's released, and to someone in his situation, that's a hell of a shock because he, his, he suddenly, you know, you're pushed out of, you, you almost, but well, he kind of is pushed out of a door. And there's some really nice little touches he uses in the the handshake, was incredibly clever. I thought, what's he doing? And <laughs> so he goes to shake the hand of the the guy I'm I'm guessing who runs the asylum. And he shakes his hand, and while he's shaking it, he, he slowly climbs inside the geezer's jacket, as if to say, "I don't want to leave." A bit <laughs> like a, a bit yeah. like a dog when you take him to the kennels while you go on holiday. You know, it's a bit like that, isn't it? Um, yeah. And he eventually gets stuck out on the street, and his his face is all screwed up, and he's not happy. And he opens his eyes, and that is that's the page I'd want to own, man. That that page of the street is just incredible. Yeah. So that which is a place of 113 for those following along. Yeah. Now, so this is this is a big scene where just just so much is happening. You've got planes in the sky. You've got skyscrapers overlaid with street signs, and um, there's there's cars going by. There's rubbish in the street. There's um, noises Kim- coming from the cars. Yeah. yeah. Now I, I don't know if I'm over reading this, and it's maybe just because he up in the um, the top left hand corner he, he converts one of the lights into sort of looking like an eye. Yeah. But I, I do wonder if this has got 
um, an inspiration from Guernica by Picasso. Okay, right. Um, which is, you know, partially, again, maybe over reading it, so just got that one eye thing, and it's got the planes in, in, in the sky piece. Yeah. Again, that's, you know, that's a painting that's all about the, you know, the bombing of the city and the, you know, the okay. fact that so much was going on at any point in time that, you know, you, everything was being thrown up and you didn't really know what was, you know, you, how do you grab that sense of what's actually happening? And it has that that feel about it of just going, there's so much noise and action and I just don't understand, you know, everything yeah. is in your face. It's the sort of thing that if anyone who's um, who's never been to New York goes to New York and you, you get off the plane at JFK, if you then yeah. um, get the, you know, get your taxi into whatever and you, you you just step out into the middle of, of Times Square and you go, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you do. As yeah. it just hits you. And it has that, that sort of feel about it of going from your from it, quiet cell to, a, to just a sensory assault, everything. Yeah, that totally mm. one. And the other clever thing I really liked about this, I noticed immediately, was that it's from Gregory's point of view because um, Hempel could have easily written the street signs in English but he doesn't. He writes it in a way that if you were a kid who couldn't read, that's how unreadable they would be, which is yeah. very clever. I really like that. Um, yeah. yeah. So moving on from that, he sits there. So there's we get um, we get an eight panel page of um, the the head of the centre sitting in his window, and Gregory continues just the, t- the tip of his the hairs on his head sticking up the panel, yeah. and, and every so often he looks out to see what he's doing. And the, and Gregory sits there, and he sits there, and he sits there, and it gets dark, and it get you know, there's a, he speaks to a cat, and and he just sits on the steps, and the the guy from the asylum doesn't know what to do, so he just basically ushers him back in, and at that point you think, please don't go back in, please do something yeah. else, but you do again, yeah. it's the beautiful use of repetition yeah. and the the fact that everything you know, so the whole time he's looking at the window and nothing's happening, you know, but it's you can tell that things are happening inside the window, yeah. The window creates the stability, and then, and I say, and the the page where he just just stands outside, and it goes from from day to night, where it is the same. You know, and Gregory does not move at all when you've got the birds come and sit, land on his yeah. head, and, and flies off and stuff. Um, I also love the, the just the, the the second from last page there, where Gregory's in the middle, but the whole thing is about the the guy who runs the asylum going right. All the pictures around the outside of it of him being upset, and it's from both sides yeah. and. You know, and and that that whole sort of breakaway, having to to bring him in, but no, it, it is that. Yeah, we thought we were doing something good for you, but yeah, we haven't. We've you know what we've done isn't actually improving you at all. So yeah, come back to to the the sanctity of yeah. the, the asylum piece. Um, my next one is from book three. Have you got one from book two you want to mention, or should we come... um book two? What did I write down for that? Book two's got um again so i think what the art and you know changes slightly through through yeah. the books and, and the quality the, of the paper titans. changes as well doesn't it i think it's worth mentioning yeah yeah something happens funny with the glue in mind but that's, yeah mine yeah know, yeah kind of then quite out of there, there's a brilliant scene in book two where um during one of his reincarnations herman meets god <laughs> um and it's the fact that he you know herman just stands at the side and shows Jesus Christ. <laughs> and the voice comes off from the side of the panels is 
Dad, someone keeps calling my name. <laughs> um, and I was, I was like, and they repeat that joke a little a couple of times throughout. Where it's like, he says, Jesus Christ, you're talking to me. He said, No, we're not talking to you. Um, and that, so that was the only thing from, from number two that I thought was a really funny yeah. joke. The, the, the whole starting sequence, again, he uses the repetition a lot, and Wendell not being able to type yet. Um, Herman talks to him for five or six pages and <laughs> yeah. goes, how, you know, you're supposed to be taking notes. How far have you got? And he's basically back at panel one, which is three or four pages out. One of my favourite moments which, you know, that as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which yeah. Is, it's brilliant delivery of, uh, of, of comedy. I seem to remember something about G's, which is a lovely line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, volume three has the worst Paul quote ever. Um, and I say this having read a book at the weekend that was about a footballing comic and someone had written on the back. It hits the back of the net with this issue again um so um it's from neil gaiman who states fucking obvious there's no surprise there gregory is the peanuts for the 90s well done neil yeah how long did it take you to come up with that amazing quote all right okay but um one of my one of my favorites in this issue and, and this it has a number of very simple gags isn't it not simple but has sh- has shorter mm. gags in it um was the gag on page 22 um, you, you, you'll be unknown, knowing that you know me as you do. You'd be unsurprised at this at this one with me. So it's basically Gregory looking down at his feet while he pisses himself. Um, the puddle extends out past. So it's just two feet. Um, the puddle extends out past his feet slowly and slowly until he can see his own face in the puddle of piss. He is overjoyed by this moment, Gregory, and he says, "I, Gregory." And I think just that's just. I dare anyone to do to describe so much personality in such a simple six panels. It's just beautifully told. Just I love this sort of thing, you know. I think you know, the thing is the pages that follow that, where yeah, it, it, oh, he keeps shouting now, Gregory, and you start getting it gets. It, it takes you a while to realise that what he's actually doing is shaking his head from side to side, and that's why the images are becoming blurry. <laughs> yeah. and then suddenly the panels become black, and you're like, what has happened? And then there's the reveal yeah. splash page where he's basically sh- shooting from side to side so much that the, the street jacket has come up and covered his face. He leans quite heavily that, on the repetition in this volume, doesn't he? There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of that going on in this one, yeah. 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 That's one of my favourites. As somebody who's drawn just shy of 2,000 comic strips that are essentially identical <laughs> in their construct, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm quite all right with repetition as a, <laughs> yeah, okay, as, a, yeah. as a means of delivering humour. It can be funny, can't um, it? We can work it to funny. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, the, the repetition, the repetitious nature of it does have a, a funny element to it, doesn't it? It really does, and he plays on it, and it's yeah. always just the little things. There's, um, well, I won't bear down on it, but there's a couple of pages where there's, his pants keep moving, and it turns out there's a load of mice in there, rats and mice in there, and a cockroach who come out. Um, yeah, it's just, um, just, just joyous, man, joyous. Yeah. What about you? What was the next one for you? So, um, after that, I'm actually going to jump to to book four. Okay. Let's keep keep things there. So. By book four, I think the he's, he's he's refined his art style quite a bit, and it's um, as I said, I think, I think to me it, it reminds me very much of the New Yorker art styles yeah. on certain New Yorker cartoons, um, and he creates something. Or basically, at this point, um, Gregory gets adopted by a family, and is um, is taken into the family, and uh, the eldest son, who isn't isn't doing what his father wants him to do because he, he's he's not particularly athletic and his dad's clearly into the american football side of things and want, you know yeah. thinks that he should be beating people up and all that sort of stuff um and it's it there's a real charles adams feel to the family as well um in, in terms of some of the the drawing of it and stuff okay. and it's, it's 
just, just, you know, I, I love that in terms of sort of the style of it. But it, it does lead. But they're, they're terribly to... grotesque, aren't they? The family. There's moments they're oh, just the most yeah. horrible looking. I mean, part of them come round, and and the mum's actually very well meaning, and the dad's just like a a big ball of anger, isn't he? Yeah. But yeah, they're they're really. It's a really interesting story. And also for those um, listening along at home, this is kind of the first time we've had him outside doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it does build up as well to oh, I when he first says it. But one of the things that Gregory will keep seeing in the house is yeah. Upham. Yeah. And it's like, what what is he seeing Upham for all the time for? And it's not until basically Gregory ends up going back into the asylum. And just right at the very end of the um of, of the thing is the fact that he kept shouting Upham and the you know the family are then having a meal. And this piece of ham drops off the ceiling because it was up ham all along. (laughs) And it's it's just this, as a build-up delivery to a gag, I just thought it was absolutely fabulous. Because you're like going, what? Because they had me going, you know, rereading it again this time, going, I'd forgotten about it. So I was like, what what was up ham? You know, and it's it's like, yeah, there's a piece of ham that's been thrown and stuck to the ceiling and nobody's noticed it. It's got a, um, Um, it's a stranger feel to volume four because it's, um, it's down to this monosyllabic, let's face it, not, not mentally ill kid mm. who turns up at the house and it kind of, he brings them together, doesn't he? There's an yeah. element of that. He helps the, 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 the kid who would have been his brother. Helps him a lot, mm. you know. So it, it's, and maybe this is the thing, because book one is very Gregory telling the story. Book two is, is, is Herman telling the story. With You know, and it, to be fair, the book... Gregory, we should put that on. Gregory Two is actually the real title of it is yeah. Herman Vermin's very own best-selling, critically acclaimed book with Gregory in it. Yes, yeah. Um, and it's got and, that Looney you know, Tunes cover to it, isn't it? It's got that sort yeah. of cartoon feel cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And it's you know, and it's Singapore '59 all over again. <laughs> yeah. um, Gregory Three is back to being Gregory telling the you know the story, if you like, or the, being Gregory's story. Though it's it's more story of the asylum as a whole, perhaps, and that's. Why it's got that one flew over the cuckoo's nest element at the the beginning where the people are all talking around you know the yeah. the group yes yeah talking well well book four is the family's story yeah that just happens to have Gregory in it so it it's it's slightly disconnected in that way um in, in terms of sort of like being a flow I think they only notice that because you read all four simultaneously yeah um and it is much more a case of you you know, you need to you couldn't pick four up and understand it on its own. By any stretch of the imagination, you're you're just bullying this small child. Um, So there is something about the the complete change of tone and storytelling in the fourth one. But again, it's this whole thing about the family are wanting to make life better for um, for Gregory, but he's not any happier at theirs. He wants to go back to the you know, or he he doesn't even know that he wants to go back to the sound. It's just when he goes back to the sound, you know, the final panel is him sat in his small cell. With you know a cockroach, a rat, and a um, a mouse, all happily sitting yeah, around, with back happy bits. again. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He's mm. the he's throughout it, throughout in different ways. He's the trigger, isn't he? He's he's yeah. the linchpin of the story. Um, but it's it's that, I don't want people thinking, oh, it's like this kind of you know anthology series where things happen around him, and it's all it's not like that. It's just so no. much stranger than that. It's uh, mm. yeah. It's it, mm. ab- absolutely. So it's, yeah. 
a, a complete forgotten gem from from that period. But as I say, the character has maybe not maybe not specifics of the stories because I must admit, rereading it just now over the last week or so, I, you know, I, I got more out of it again yeah. um, that I hadn't previously. Um, I must admit, there was a bit of me being self-referential at the end of book one about the whole piece where he puts him outside and step and eventually has to go out and bring him back in again. So I, I sometimes feel that way about a particular set of penguins when I try to put them out <laughs> and have to bring them back. But the, you know, that there's a lot in here for rereading and there's, um, it, it, it is at a turning point in the comics industry as well. So I think, yeah. you know, it's, an, it's, that, it's, important. it's the sweet spot we keep talking about on here, man. Yeah, it really yep. is that yeah. period. Yeah. Um, and you're right, it is a book that probably deserves more. It, I was trying to see if there was a kayfabe on it or anything like that, but I couldn't find no, anything. There's very little. There's you a know, few it's... interviews with him online um, at conventions and stuff like that, and there's a, a sort mm. of a, a, a quite a sort of highbrow bit about him drawing, which is done by a museum or something. But there's there's actually very little out there. I don't think he turns. Yeah. I mean, he does look a bit like a rabbit, in, like a deer in headlights when one guy's interviewing. I think because the guy <laughs> interviewing is a bit of a knob. But uh, yeah, there's a, there's a few bits out there. Um, I think I'm surprised there's not like you, like you. I'm surprised there's not more, but also for the reason I'm surprised there's not more because of his Sandman connections. You know, yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, the other thing, but, the, the other question I have for you, man, is Tug and Buster, which is a great little series as well, which is um, yeah, came out a few years later. Um, it's almost like is is Gregory grown up in that somehow? Is there in a uh, Gregory's world is kind of grown up somehow to me? Um, a little bit. I think all he was trying to do was expand the. I think it was more a change of him to want to tell a different story. Yeah. And but it still has that irreverence and, and the ability to play off the characters actually having things happen around them. Yeah. That's rather right. than rather than being direct. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's a. I don't think the two are interconnected in any any formal way. I think it is more just uh, that you've seen the, the storytelling techniques of a particular artist and it carried over from one to the other. Yeah. But, is there any, um, yeah. oh, we, we've gone long again, but is there any books um, that of his that you'd recommend other, that people read after this? Is there anything else that, not even necessarily of his, but is there anything that tonally you would think is worth worth Ooh. a try? I mean, of his, Breathtaker is certainly the one yeah. that I think people should, should certainly look at. Now, what's um, the, does Wheatley colour that? I can't remember off the top of my head. I've got it here. Um, now, see, I get confused because there was a big thing that, that at one point in time they were trying to republish it themselves because right. they got the the rights back because it was re it came out by uh, no, it came out it went to Vertigo, it? didn't yeah, yeah yeah I was whether it went I was trying to think of it actually it came out by Piranha but no it, it went straight to Vertigo I think right for trades you mean actually no it was it DC came first out, yeah, wasn't it it was DC and then the trade went to Vertigo I think that's right yeah. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, it came out before Vertigo existed. Yeah. That would be right. Um, and then they must have got the rights back to it, and there was a they, they tried to do a fundraising campaign at some point in time because we're going to do a remastered version. Okay. So and maybe part of the remastering there was going to be some recoloring and stuff. I can't can't quite remember. Yeah, um, I've got it here actually. So the created, written, and painted by Mark Wheatley, designed, drawn, and lettered by Mark Hempel. There right. you go. So there's a bit of a mixture there. I don't know exactly what that means, but there. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so it's kind of like this. In terms of other things that are totally similar to this, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's... This is... Milk, you know, milk. It kind of connects to your Calvin and Hobbes. Milk and cheese, maybe. 
it's a little yeah, bit more crazy, more isn't it? Yeah. 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 I, I, mean, I actually, th- I know you've discussed Cabin and Hobbs at length, but yeah. it, I actually see a relationship between this and Cabin and Hobbs. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, totally. More the, you know, if it's, it's the whole thing. If Calvin was diagnosed, <laughs> saying, <laughs> sorry, the the tiger speaks to you. Um, yeah. Perhaps we should institutionalize you for that. You know, and and there's a scene in, in one of the great things where where you know Herman gives the speech for ages. And he turned around, and it's the you know all the humans are in the room, and all they can hear is the mouse, is the rat squeaking at them, <laughs> which is that whole thing. You know, Gregory can hear you know and yeah. hear the the mice and the, the rats yeah, talk, but true, nobody man. else can. So I think this, there, there's I think you know if you're a Calvin and Hobbes fan and want to see something that goes more to the darker side of it, yeah, then Gregory's the way to. Yeah, for I can that. imagine it's... Watson being at a party, you know, and. Uh... And Grant Morrison appears and said, "Oh, just uh, try one of these these tablets." <laughs> and uh, suddenly we get we get Gregory. Yeah, I can see you. Oh, no, totally, man. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, yeah. there are two sides of uh, but, if if Watson it, went underground, this is what we get. Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. No, no, I think, yeah. I think that that's. I think is, there was a thing about thinking about as I say that spectrum from complete from proper underground, proper underground, from your Robert Crumb style underground comics yeah. through to. You know your your newspaper strip, which is entirely you know family friendly piece, and this is this is halfway in between, um, or is on that you know it's somewhere in the middle of that that, that spectrum, and that that's where I think it, you know you you have to balance it. And that's where milk and cheese is probably pushing it the other way to say let's be a bit more crude and rude. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and yeah. Calvin and Hobbes is 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 the other way because there's. Okay, there's the the say shit and everything, but you know the rest of it. You know, it, it's you know there there's very little in here that you couldn't say was you know classed as PG yeah. <laughs> type, uh, type rating, but you know the subject matter just doesn't necessarily fall for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now that that that's the, that's the scale I think that you would that you would put it through. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Yeah, and um, another another great one, another really good. I was really pleased with that one that you came out with this one, man. It was. Uh, an absolute pleasure. I'm just trying to look his website up. Oh, here you go. So if you go to, um, on Twitter, he's Mark Hempel, M-A-R-C-H-E-M-P-E-L. You can find him there. Um, not to- not super active. I think he's got like 900 followers or something. But uh, I think I think he, he, didn't he reply to you when you posted some panels or something? You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I posted the panels. Just, uh, these, are, these are lovely. And he went, oh, thanks so much. Oh, nice one. Oh, that's good, man. That's all you need. Yeah, that's all you want. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. brightens our day. And um, he's, got, he's got a Patreon. If you are the sort of person who, who goes to Patreon, I've, I've done the odd one. Uh, it's patreon.com forward slash Mark Hempoint. And um, it, I had a look at it yesterday. It's got some quite interesting art layers, um, pledge levels you can go to. And he, he'll send you, I think one of them, he sends you a print, a specialised print every month, I think, which is a pretty cool mm. pretty cool level on Patreon, which, you know, uh, I suppose depends on postage these days <laughs> with us in England yeah. but and Scotland. But, yeah, yeah, is that. So, yeah, no, absolute joy, man. It's really good. Um, and another good one. I know we've got, we've had, we're in plans to talk about another another book um or maybe another couple of subjects one of which i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to you about when we finish but yeah another, another okay. a really good one man um we've got a quick we haven't got an advert today our sponsors uh, decided they don't like us they've gone off to uh, to sponsor someone else so we've got a competition today so for those that um listened to last show me and rich which was our 50th show so there you go so that's quite something um we have <laughs> my uh, icon on um on Podbean and uh, Apple iTunes and all this sort of nonsense is something that I snipped out of a page of a comic that me and uh, me and Falpy did. Falpy drew it, and uh, 
in it, as pointed out to me by the mighty David Anthony Craft. Although, we, to be fair, we had copped it. We copped it before that we'd spelt it wrong, and we kind of we were we were sort of going with it because we'd spelt Kilraven wrong. Uh, he pointed out that I'd spelt it wrong, which I thought, oh well, maybe we could do with getting a new icon. Because I sort of I made this uh, I made this podcast up on the hoof um, during lockdown, and it sort of continued um, strong. I'm very much enjoying it, so I'm going to keep going with it. So, what I'm saying is, there's a prize for someone who can come up, pitch to me the um icon for this podcast um it doesn't necessarily have to be my stupid face again it doesn't have to necessarily have to have a, a misspelled word in although that might be quite funny to be fair um and i've got either 50 pounds in graphic novels or 50 pounds in stone cold cash as the prize so i would suggest probably graphic novels because i get them cheap because they all come from no brow <laughs> um so um as a prize yeah, that's that. So if you fancy, if you're listening and you fancy drawing me something, just get get in touch with me. I'm on S-A-S-E-Z-O-H-Y-Z on Twitter. You can find me. And uh, let us know if you want to draw one. I'd be, uh, be very happy. Just uh, pitch to me what your idea is and uh, you might win a prize. So there, that's the new thing. Good. That, that sounds like the sort of thing if um, people were going along to a drink and draw and were Not a unclear bad shout. what they were going to actually draw during the drink and draw. They might that's have a good a, shout. Have an attempt at. Yeah. So after we get through the, um, what's it, Small Press Kills John Ottaway or John Ottaway Kills a Small Press? Which I think yes, is, that's what, that's, yeah. Who did you come up with that? Uh, it was, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sarah said something on, on, on now and it, it clashed with something, an image that came up on, uh, with me and I was like, oh, I really should just draw John Ottaway holding the head of a, a dead penguin. I love John, and, but he has um, got a terrible reputation for being a murderer. It's just, I don't know how it's come about, but he has. Yeah, yeah. It was exactly 12 months ago from now because it was at last year's TV. Of course it was. Um, yeah, for those that don't know, I think someone put on Sarah, um, Lady of Valhalla on Twitter, put up, I'm, I'm coming up from this area of the country. Anyone fancy giving me a lift? A thought bubble saved me, the, you know, I'll share petrol money. And John, I think John tweeted back, I'll give you a lift, but don't worry, I won't murder you. We have to, John, what have you put on Twitter now? You know, but the thing is, him and Sarah have been quite, quite, become quite good friends, and it's become this sort of running joke between all of us that John is in fact a serial killer, which I kind of think is good. Um, and John's kind of owning it now. It's, it just makes me laugh. Um, so every time I see Sarah, whether it be online or in person, I say, "Oh, and I see you still alive." And then, and I don't know, but John sort of, sort of goes with it. So yeah. So once we've done the John being a murderer drawing we might we might do this so yeah there's a prize mm. to it as well so that, that's not a bad show actually for the drinker draw i think we've got quite a few it's looking like it's going to be quite busy we had quite a few inquiries today off the back of the podcast around it so that's very good you should probably say the reason i mentioned the drink and draw is because this friday there is a drink and draw yes yes so very very good get me back on track mate the uh <laughs> yeah there's a drink i'm almost vince level so there's a drink and draw because this uh, it depends when you're listening to this but uh, today it's currently the 9th of november and on the 13th of november which is the night before uh what would have been thought bubble thought bubble now been a digital only online only event is the awesome comics with thought bubble drink and draw so if you go to the awesome comics uh chat facebook page you can get uh, you can get a link to it if you go to it answer the questions and i will add you to the group and um you're you're a regular you're a regular Alan. you so it's, yeah, it's a good it's a good little crack in it tomorrow so yeah yeah no it's a great night um see up to now we've usually had about know, 20 odd people there thereabouts yeah i think we hit and 32 is the most we've ever hit yeah so that's yeah. pretty good yeah but you know people come in and you know you don't need to be there for the whole time so you yeah. can come and go and um all sorts of topics have been discussed. <laughs> yeah, I think bear in mind this is on the fringe, the calendar on the fringe of, uh, you know, I think it's called the fringe events, isn't this it? This time round, I don't think. Yeah, yeah we're advertised. Yeah, on I'm, the I'm, thought let's, let's leave it at that. Yeah, I might actually do yeah, some no, drawing this time. It's been, 
it's been a, it's always been a good laugh and um, you know very friendly and uh, everybody's does does their own thing and gets to chip in and do do their bit. Yeah. So no. Speaking of thought bubble, I think that's the last time I saw you, bud, isn't it? It was um, at thought bubble last year. This this time last year. Uh, yeah, it would have been because thereafter would have been Edinburgh would have been the next one, and of course that was the the first of the big ones to be to be taken down. Yeah. What a shame. Um, sadly. You had so, um, yeah. so you were next to Vince. You were next to the awesome table last year, weren't you? And um, yep. It's quite a noisy lady on one side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He had her on the other side. That was Vince. He was on the other side, so that, 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 that was fine. Um, as he kept selling illicit goods from under his table. That's as well. right, yeah. We had the dirty um, stuff, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, don't know, I can't remember who. Oh, and I had the gap next to me before um, before it went to some of the art crew. So, oh, okay. um, I, I, was, I was great. No, that, we had a brilliant table last year um, where we were because we were um, between the halls, which meant yeah, that you people always down the alleyway, saw didn't us you? first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. people. You know, we'd basically come out of one whole street to us, so it was, we had the captive audience, which was really good. So what? No, that uh, I couldn't be there. Yeah, I know, me too, man. Yeah, I was really looking forward to it. I was exhausted after last year, but yeah, it was uh, it was quite the event. What um, what have you got new at the moment, dude? You got anything? You working on thing at the new at the moment? I know you keep you keep putting out the the cartoons. I keep reading and liking them every morning. Yeah, what else you got going on? Yeah, so uh, the the penguin continues apace um, as we are approaching what will be numbered as strip 1800 um <laughs> which, which is not bad uh in, in terms of so we had the book out a couple months back um which was coincidence and yep. i'm already 45 pages into what will be the next book now the the books are always 100 pages so we'll we'll slowly plod towards the the, the beginning of next yeah, year man you got you got um, it down to a fine art now i was i was trying back on the first day and then you have to remind me to fill out my uh pro forma like you did this year yeah but um yeah no you've got it you you know you're gonna hit the, you're hitting the money straight away coming out with a few extra you always get like a nice goodie bag through from you when, I, when the pledge when the um yeah the that's, that's cool that's the thing i mean there's again we could talk at length about the pros and cons of kickstarters and who's good at it and who's who's not in terms of getting people getting their bang for the buck yeah this year with the the continual changes in um, in postal prices it's 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 a bit of nightmare year for that man there is some issues that that are going to have to get resolved next year in terms of balancing that out yeah um well never mind the great american election and oh finally we've got biden in power i just hope he fixes the fucking postage (laughs) yeah yeah, that's my big yeah, hope. We, we need to find a way to, yeah. to, to resolve that, and, and I know people keep talking about it. So that's the next thing. And then the other thing I keep doing is I'm doing working my way through paintings of oh, yeah. um, TV characters of my youth. <laughs> so yesterday I, I posted Sooty and Sweet uh, as, as I painted them over the weekend um, as my as, as the oh, latest thing. Like when you used to see them run. Do you remember those days? You used to see them run, and they they used to like animate little feet running just under the table. I like that. Yeah. Well, there was some, we were, I was talking about this with some of the guys with the weekend. It was awfully interesting because Sooty never said a word. Sweep squeaked. And it was only Sue, the girlfriend, that was actually allowed to talk. Yeah. I don't know what that tells you in terms of the makeup of the thought process of there. It's like, no, you're not allowed to talk. He's allowed to make noises, but she can talk. Bloody feminist. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was a <laughs> goer, though. Sue, wasn't she? She probably was up for it. I reckon there's a... There was a bit of three-way action going on that. I always had I had a sooty puppet she as a kid. She was a panda. Pandas aren't well known. No, that's as, not their um... big go. Not big goers, are they? No, that's true. <laughs> the, as I had a, I had a little sooty, and my sister had a. I had a sooty, and my sister had a sweep as we were kids. And I was always jealous of hers because it had a little squeezy thing that squeaked, but in your mm-hmm. palm. That was always the cooler toy. 
even though Sooty was kind of the hero, wouldn't he? Yeah. 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 Good. Well, what else you got planned? What other characters are you doing? Oh, I've, I, I, and, well, what, um, you know what? That's a tough one because I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I've done so many now that it's because I've now done the fat controller. Oh, it's all that today. Yeah. through a number of the Trumpton characters, which I think are absolutely brilliant. But um, I might do a Postman Pat. That might be the next one. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, it's trying to find those 3D characters that. What was the um, um, Rainbow? What was the ones that was it? Pipkins. What was Pipkins? That... Well, Pipkins was something else entirely. Rainbow was um, Zippy. Oh, and, that's right. Yeah, Pipkins. and George. Was it Magpie? If you look at my icon on Skype, you'll see that's. that's oh, it is. Zippy, yeah, fucking hell. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what that's concerned me about Zippy. bloody Canon. He made one of the villains in his books look like Zippy. I found that quite concerning. <laughs> Plus that like porno version they had of them talking about twanging each other's twangers, or whatever it is, you can find on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. With bungles. That's not right. No, it's all wrong. So now I just, well, you know, it's it's kids TV of my, I might, uh, you know, there, there's Button Moon still to visit and all that sort of side of things. Yeah. There's, there's, there's an array of things where you go, there was a lot of people smoking a lot of things. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you've done, done the Magic yeah. Roundabout? Have you done that? I've, I've done a Zebedee, yeah. but I've not, and, and partially because I did a bunch of pencil drawings of the other uh, Magic Roundabout characters previously. That was, that was definitely it, mushrooms, wasn't it, that one? Yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, good man. What else are you buying? Are you buying any? You bought yourself any art or any um, expensive desktop books or artist editions or anything recently? Art? No, art's been quite quiet. Though I have been moving some stuff around. So yeah. I've got um, in in the office here. Put the, the Paul Grist Kane cover oh, yeah. behind me now, and uh, for a bit of a change. That was a favourite book um, of mine. I preferred that to the um, Jack Stoff book actually, and I've got a Jack Stoff page in front of me. But I, I did really like the Kane stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and there's meant to be new cane coming soon. Oh, so okay. I can't be hot. Right. Um, reading wise, of uh, this week, I got through Polar, uh, one of the Polar books by ah, um, nice. Victor Santos, yeah. the last one. He of sells those. his, uh, he um, sells some original commissions, and they're not too expensive. Um, no, not, some of the guys no. in the Eleven o'clock Slack were buying some. Yeah. Uh, I um, I remember seeing me. I saw him at the very first con he did in the UK, where Mark Buckingham brought him over from, okay. from Spain because he's friends with our and the other thing I've been reading is um, Mike Norton's Battle Pug. Oh yeah, okay. The, I've got a Battle Pug T-shirt. Pug. Yeah, okay. I've got the cum the cum pug dendium, <laughs> it's pronounced. Uh, the side of me at the moment is, is, uh, is a little bit of light relief of you know just being something a bit silly to read. Uh, good stuff, man. So, I've just yeah, been working my way through a load of dynamite books. I don't know why. I just I sort of I'm, I used to buy loads of dynamite, like probably as you, because the shadow and all those mm. sort of books were coming out almost weekly seemingly and i thought i'm boring for a while so i bought the barbarella books the written by mike carey actually pretty good they're not like yeah. t and a you know they've got a certain reputation yeah. haven't they but um yeah the barbarella books are quite good and um red sonia scorched earth which has got Mirko kolak in these are oh, i absolutely adore by the way i really love his stuff um and what vampirella deja thoris that's it's good it's getting bad this and uh, another <laughs> what have I got? Oh, Barbarella, Deja Thoris. The thing is about the Deja Thoris books is in the back of um, Dynamite Trades, they put all the variant covers because they do a few, don't they? They tend to, they do, they do like yeah. a, a few variants. And they always put the cosplay ones in. I've got to tell you, they need to find a better looking Deja Thoris. I'm not certain. I'm not sure they got it quite right yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's my sexist you see opinion. The line? <laughs> you see the line? You're, you're right off the line. <laughs> I was going to say I've seen better looking girls on the checkout at Tesco's, but I would never go that far with it, you know. You know, there's, there's, there's your variant cover for um, for whatever next tribute book. Just go down to Tesco's and just take a I, I love saying that line because I once heard um, 
Who is Lemmy from Motorhead? Say it. I remember that. It's just, it just amuses me to repeat this line he said because he was on on that um, that thing where they used to like decide how good a single was. I can't remember what it was now on BBC One, and he was on that, and um, they played that "Addicted to Love" Robert Palmer video, and he yeah. went out. And they went, and it was you know some cheesy Radio One DJ, you know. Tony Blackburn or somebody went over to Lemmy and went, what do you think, Lemmy? And he said, I've seen better looking girls on the checkout Tesco's. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm so remembering that. It just made me laugh so much. But there you go. I like to repeat it. It's all satire. It's not meant. You know that, Al. But, uh... I know. <laughs> I'm just putting the line out to you. But if you choose to cross it, that's entirely up to you. As long as you know the lane's there. Um, yeah, we went, but no, but yeah, we went a bit off the rails yeah. on the awesome pod this week. So, yeah, it can't be as bad as that. Yeah, yeah, and they kept the, he kept Vince fortunately kept the worst bit out of it, where I had a bit of a meltdown. He's trying to he was making me do a video. I had to do this uh, audio commentary for a video he's putting out, and he'd given me the lines, and we were all recording them separately so that Ed, um, that Dan could edit them together. And he just they're watching me do it, and I had kept having a breakdown. It was like a scene from Toast of London. That's what it was like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Excuse me. Good. Good man. Yeah. Right. Excellent. I've got our next one. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, okay. Thanks for this one, man. Absolutely. Always, always a pleasure. And good stuff again. Cheers, mate. <laughs>